What's up everybody, Tara Wellman here. It is series preview time once again, and this time it is round two with the Milwaukee Brewers as they come to St. Louis for the first time in 2018. Now, the last we saw of the Brewers, or at least the lasting memory of the Brewers, was a walk-off in historic fashion. Back-to-back -back home runs by Christian Yelich and Ryan Braun. Now that may have only been about a week ago, but a lot has happened since then, especially for the Brew Crew. So to help me sort it all out and to prepare you for round two of the battle for the NL Central, please welcome from brewcrewball.com, Kyle Lishneski. So Kyle, a lot has happened in a short amount of time since these two teams last saw each <laughs> other, uh, which was not the most pleasant of goodbyes for the Cardinals. Uh, walk off. It's always fun for the home fans. Not so much on the other <laughs> end. Um, but nonetheless, it's been a busy couple of, well, not even a couple of weeks, just about a week right. since we last saw each other. I don't know. I almost don't even know where to start. But let's start with the guy who actually was a part of that uh, historic conclusion to the, <laughs> right. to the series, um, and that's Christian Yelich. Not as positive news as as the the game tying home run was. Uh, there's an injury, an oblique injury, I believe. What is the status of Christian Yelich, and and what do you expect to see from him, and when? So Yelich has been out since I want to say the the day after the the game with the Cardinals. He's missed at least like the last three or four days, um, and he's initially they thought it was a minor oblique issue that he was dealing with. So they listed him as day to day, and we're just kind of taking it you know day by day. And um, he took some live batting practice yesterday, and I guess it didn't go as well as the team had hoped. Um, was still dealing with some some soreness there after he after he did that hitting. So the team decided rather than to wait when tomorrow would already be you know halfway through a ten day DL stint anyway, they stuck him on the disabled list and backdated it. So he could be back as soon as um, this coming Sunday. So he'll he'll end up you know missing at least another week probably worth of action. Um, but it doesn't sound like at this point they think it's anything too serious. Um, and the way the offense has gone these last few days, they'll certainly uh, need the boost when he can he can come back. So hopefully it's a sh on the shorter end of that stint than anything. I was going to ask, uh, run scoring has not come at quite the clip that I think a lot of people expect out of this lineup. Um, so based on that and not having Yelich, who are you looking for in this series to kind of step up and, and be a little bit of a spark to that offense? Um, yeah, it's it's been a little bit of an up and down start for the team so far. Um, they the first couple of week or the first couple of games they got a lot of contributions from Yelich, and then Lorenzo Cain also got off to a very hot start for the season, and and he was Milwaukee's you know big free agent acquisition over the winter. They gave him an eighty million dollar contract coming over from Kansas City, and uh, I want to say before his uh, before his hit yesterday, he was in like an zero for sixteen slump. And, um, you know, he's he's the guy that they're looking for to provide that, that on-base threat at the top of the lineup and be able to create some havoc on the bases and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as he's been slumping, the rest of the lineup seems to have fallen into a slump. And um, outside of the home run that, you know, you guys saw from Ryan Braun, he hasn't done really a whole lot yet this season. Um, Travis Shaw has been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, 
Eric Thames has provided some some power, but he's really only he he's been probably the their best offensive player, I guess, to this point. And he's not even a guy who's playing every day as they try and rotate through all these different outfield and infield combinations that they've got. So um, looking hopefully for, for Ryan Braun to start picking things up and, and Lorenzo Cain to kind of get back on the right track. And once those guys can kind of start producing a little bit more at the top of the lineup, I think everybody else will kind of fall into place. What does that outfield lineup shuffle look like a couple of weeks into the season because I know the Brewers are kind of in a similar situation to the Cardinals in that they they sort of have way more outfielders than they can actually use <laughs> at the major league level um, obviously with an injury uh, that Yelich is dealing with that that sort of calms things down a little bit not maybe in the way that you would like but uh, eliminates one piece of that complicated puzzle but is it shaping up to where there's any sort of normalcy or is it still just sort of trying to figure it out as you go um it's it's still been a lot of mixing and matching so far we've seen ryan braun get some early action at first base and i think that's kind of what their plan is as long as everyone stays healthy is braun is going to see a good amount of action at first base against left-handed pitchers and kind of spell eric thames over there um but with yelich out of the lineup Braun's been playing more regularly in left field, which is his more natural position. Um, and that's opened up some more regular playing time for Domingo Santana in right field. And he was kind of the guy that got mostly squeezed by these two big outfield acquisitions, which is unfortunate because he was really the Brewers' best offensive player last year. Um, but he's certainly a liability in right field, and we've already seen that a couple different times so far this year. So, um, you know, there's there's positives and, and negatives to the way that they're trying to balance all this stuff. But, um, you know, it's certainly nice to have a guy like Domingo Santana, I guess, if you want to say he's sort of that fourth outfielder, to have that guy as your fourth outfielder in, in a case like this where, you know, instead of like last year, they plugged and played uh, Hernan Perez a lot in the outfield, and he's kind of our not super great bat, super utility guy can play all eight positions on the field sort of cat. So you'd rather see Domingo Santana playing more often than Hernan Perez, I can tell you that. Sure. <laughs> the Cardinals uh, have their own great offensive guy, but defensive liability this year in Jose Martinez. And uh, he's a guy that can play in the outfield, don't really want to see that happen, but it can. <laughs> He's been playing a lot of first base, though. Uh, the Cardinals dealing with an injury to their regular third baseman in Jed Jerko, which has shuffled their infield a little bit, which is on the one hand good because it's cleared a space for Jose Martinez to play at first base just about every day. Um, but I feel I feel your pain in that uh, the offense is great. The defensive miscues are just painful and uh, they, they don't seem to stop <laughs> once they get started. Yeah. So I, I'm very familiar with that uh, <laughs> conundrum <laughs> as far sure. as who you want to see in the lineup. Now, in place of Yelich on the roster, the Brewers went out and added a reliever. Is that correct? And we'll talk a little bit more about the crazy pitching puzzle uh, as we go. But the Brewers going with potentially uh, an eight-man uh, bullpen right now. Yeah, one thing that we've learned about David Stern since he's taken over um, as GM in Milwaukee over the last couple of seasons is he's not afraid to make moves and roster transactions on a day-to-day -day basis <laughs> I can and see that. <laughs> he we the brewers in the last 
three days, I think, have made four separate moves in their bullpen. They brought up uh, J.J. Hoover. They've brought up Taylor Williams. They brought up Adrian Hauser. And they've already sent Adrian Hauser back to the minor leagues after he pitched two scoreless innings against the Cubs today. So seems like a great they haven't, time to send him down. <laughs> right. They haven't um, they haven't filled that roster spot yet, and they they said they're not going to do it until tomorrow. Um, but they are going to need to call up a fifth starter for Wednesday's game. They haven't announced who that is going to be yet. Um, but the early signs are kind of pointing towards Junior Guerra, who would be coming on an extra day's rest for Wednesday's start. Um, but for the time being, they still have eight men in the bullpen, which makes me think that there's probably a good chance they'll call up maybe a left-handed bat like Brett Phillips um, to come up and provide some insurance in the outfield while Yelich is still on the shelf. And um, he's a guy who can play center field, so maybe you know be able to spell Lorenzo Cain throughout the series and stuff like that and, and provide that you know left-handed bat that they're kind of missing with Yelich out of the lineup. I do a lot of work with minor league baseball over the summer, and actually Brett Phillips is one of the guys that I covered a couple of years back. Great kid. Uh, just yeah. just a, a good guy to be around. He remembers people by by name, and he'll come up and have a conversation. And, and uh, So I'm, I'm always pulling for Brett yeah, Phillips. Yeah, he's definitely uh, an easy cat to root for, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, there has been some other significant uh, changes in the bullpen, most notably... Uh, Corey Knabel going down yeah. with an injury. Uh, talk me through that and what it does to sort of the makeup of the rest of that bullpen. Who slides in where and, and what roles change? Yeah, it was it was really kind of difficult to watch because you bring Knabel in in an 8 nothing game. And I mean, you know, any manager is going to give a guy work when he needs work. It had been six days since Knabel had pitched. So, you know, it's not anything out of the ordinary that he comes in for something like that. But then to see him go down in a crumpled heap after throwing a pitch, grabbing his leg, really just, I guess it kind of adds salt to the wound after already being down 8 nothing in a game. <laughs> yeah. So um, it sounds like the, the early word is that he's going to miss anywhere between four and six weeks. And when I hear stuff like that, I always just kind of go on the further end of the spectrum. So, you know, if he can be back anytime by, you know, the end of May, I would be pretty pleased with that. Um but for the time being, it sounds like they're going to maybe play some matchups in the ninth inning and, uh, you know, go on sort of a game-by-game -game basis until somebody can really kind of grab hold of that spot. Um, they've only had one save situation since then that they've encountered, and they sent uh, Jacob Barnes out onto the hill. And he actually he ended up getting a blown save in the game, but it I don't really think was his fault. The Cubs ended up reaching on three ground balls in the infield and there were two errors in the inning and, and he really didn't deserve the, the pitching line that he ended up with in that game. So I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see him continue to get opportunities. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress is another guy who's been mentioned. He's got previous closing, closing experience. Um, Dan Jennings is another guy that Craig Council has mentioned. He seems to like him a lot, signed as a free agent right before the start of the season. And, um, has already shown an ability to go multiple innings and retire both lefties and righties with, with some good consistency. So um, he's certainly got a lot of different options. And, you know, if Knable is only going to be out, you know, six weeks or so, then I guess it's not the biggest deal to try and replace your closer. It's not like you got to worry about it all season long or anything like that. Just got to kind of try and mix and match here for the next few weeks. 
how comfortable are you with that idea of sort of the closer by committee? And I ask because the Cardinals are currently without a closer as well. Of course, they signed Greg Holland literally on the first day of the season, who will be the Cardinals closer possibly as early as Monday. Of course, we're recording this Sunday night, and the way that things have changed for both of these teams, who knows what's actually going to be (laughs) relevant by the time this goes up in the morning. Um, So the Cardinals will have Greg Holland, but they've sort of been in that same situation where they're sort of trying to figure out what to do with the ninth inning right now. And the Cardinals manager, Mike Matheny, is not real great at that. (laughs) So how comfortable are you with the Brewers taking this approach, at least for the time being? Um, I'm not really worried about it, to be (laughs) honest. Um, You know, we ran into the same situation last year. The Brewers actually signed Neftali Feliz to a $5 million contract to come in and and be their closer, and he only helped on to that job for a couple of weeks before they went to a closer by committee, and Corey Knable ended up being the guy that established himself and took hold of that role throughout the rest of the season. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I actually feel pretty good about Jacob Barnes getting getting a good opportunity in that role if they want to give him a more extended look as as a guy who can lock down that ninth inning. I would certainly be open to that. Um, but you know, the the Brewers have a lot of have a lot of skilled relievers, a lot of experienced relievers in their bullpen, and I would trust you know Barnes. I would trust Josh Hader. I would trust Dan Jennings. Uh, even Matt Albers has has gotten off to a really good start this season too. So. You know, any of those guys I would feel pretty good with um, if they needed somebody to, to lock down a save in the ninth inning. I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset to see any number of guys out there. You mentioned Josh Hader, and I wanted to ask you about him because I, I, I see a lot of the conversation about him in a similar light to what a lot of people are saying about Jordan Hicks for the Cardinals right now. Maybe a, a year further into the process for Hader, sure. but a young guy that had a lot of potential as a starter that now seems to be really solidifying himself in a bullpen mm-hmm. role. Is that where you see Hayter sort of sticking? And do you think that's a good thing? And again, I ask because the same conversation is happening with Jordan Hicks, who seems to be doing a tremendous job at just 21 years old. Of right. Straight filling from a A-ball, spot. Right? right. Straight from A-ball. I mean, just sort of came out of nowhere this spring. Not that no one was looking at him, but they certainly weren't looking at him for the major right. league roster at this point in his career. But he's such a spark in that role that it certainly makes sense why they want him there. And it, it seems like that conversation is very similar to what people have said about Hater. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess coming up through the minor leagues, you know, Hater's uh, a left-handed pitcher who's got kind of a funky delivery. So of course he gets the Chris sale comparisons, but you know, it's really tough to be Chris sale. Like there's, <laughs> he's, he's one of the there's best pitchers there in are baseball, only a few of them. <laughs> you know? So I guess when you when you try and take an objective viewpoint at at something like that, you know, the most you can kind of hope for for a guy coming up through the minor leagues with that sort of profile is that he's going to be a, a mid-rotation starter. Um, Josh Hader doesn't have excellent control. He's still working on developing a third pitch. And, I mean, all of those things could end up going right for him if they want to continue building him up as a starter and maybe that turns him into a guy who can throw 150 innings and, and have a three and a half or four ERA, you know, a, a sturdy mid-rotation guy. Is that as valuable as somebody who can pitch two innings every two or three days and come in and just blow guys away? I've, the, haters pitched, I want to say, five innings so far this season, and he's got 11 strikeouts. 
Like you, it's not, it's not a sustainable way to pitch if you're pitching six innings every few, like, you know, making regular starts, but with his arsenal and his dominant fastball slider combination and his ability to work multiple innings, he's capable of throwing between 90 and a hundred innings and putting somewhere, you know, maybe a, a sub 250 ERA. And that's, with the way that the game's evolving and how teams are becoming more and more reliant on their bullpens, especially the Brewers, um, it, it's sort of by design that these starters are only going, you know, five or six innings now. And then you you want to have that guy in the middle of your bullpen who can pitch the sixth inning and seventh inning and do it clean and know that you can get to those guys in the back end of the bullpen. And I think that's an extremely valuable role to fill. And Hader is has done an excellent job in it, and I think that the Brewers kind of look at him as continuing in that role for the foreseeable future, especially with they've they've got so much other starting pitching depth that they can kind of sort through at this point. It's it's really not a pressing issue. Yeah, that seems to be the same track for Jordan Hicks. There's a lot of other pitching talent in the minor leagues for the Cardinals right now. Actually, we saw Jack Flaherty come up and make the start mm-hmm. in the absence of Adam Wainwright. He pitched uh, at AAA for the first time this season, and I, he had like 11 strikeouts in seven innings or something like that. So I think he's going to be all right. Um, but Jordan Hicks, again, is a guy that that is so exciting, and I... I totally understand um the the value like you're saying of having someone that can go out there i mean it helps that he has like the eight fastest pitches in baseball this year (laughs) out there throwing 102 miles an hour right that helps him a little bit Um, so another significant move this week, um, particularly because last week on the preview, we talked about Woodruff. Um, he actually went out and made his first start of the season, didn't quite go like planned, and then was promptly one of those moves made uh, to option him back to the minor leagues. What is the status with him? Was that just purely an innings thing because he didn't go deep into the game? And do you expect him to be back in that starting role relatively soon? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of like I said before, David Stearns is is managing his roster almost on a game-to-game basis, and um, the, they needed to get a fresh arm in, and they knew Woodruff wasn't going to be able to pitch again for the next few days, so it was an easy move to option him back to the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, with, with him and with Junior Guerra, like I mentioned, and Brent Suter, who's, who's another guy who's kind of pitching out of the rotation right now, all those three guys have minor league options, and they can go freely back and forth to the minors, to the majors, as much as you know, the front office wants him to this year. So I certainly think that the team feels confident enough in, in each one of them that they would feel comfortable giving the ball to any, any one of those guys on a given day for a given start. Um, so I feel like we're going to see a lot of cycling through those guys and, and even others as we get further into the season. We'll probably start seeing prospects like uh, Freddie Peralta come up and Corbin Burns come up and make starts when, so we get you know a little more comfortably past that Super 2 deadline kind of stuff. Um, but I, I'm sure we'll see Woodruff again at numerous points this year. He's, he's a guy that the organization's very high on. Um, he's still ranked in the top 100 prospects by MLB.com and by Baseball America, um, and a, a guy who's certainly—I mean, he—he he had a, some difficulties in his start with his pitch counts and stuff like that, um, but he showed the ability to have a plus changeup. His his stuff is is really really outstanding. It's just all going to be about the command for him, and if he can consistently throw throw strikes and. Um, be a guy who can manage his pitch count a little bit better than he did the other day. He He's a guy who I think is going to be a, a really successful starting pitcher for the Brewers going forward. Well, that uh, 
sort of merry-go-round of pitchers is a, a common theme. The Cardinals have played a little bit of that game, maybe not quite to the extent that the Brewers have so far, <laughs> but right now they do have uh, Brett Cecil and Ryan Sheriff, both guys who were in their bullpen that are in walking boots this week, so they've had to make some changes for that, but they also have, as I mentioned, Greg Holland joining the team this week, and then Luke Gregerson, who at one point was slotted to be the closer, mm-hmm. uh, made a rehab start. He should be joining the team before too long as well, so there will be more changes. Like I said it's Sunday night you would think that this wouldn't change too much (laughs) before tomorrow morning (laughs) but we have no idea Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the pitchers that we think we'll see in this series at least as far as the starters are concerned first of all it will be a rematch of Yuli Shasin and Miles Michaelis now Shasin struggled against the Cardinals last week Kyle what does a good outing for him look like to you um, I think really what the Brewers are are looking for out of Shasin and any of their starters at this point is just a guy who can go, you know, five or six innings and hold the opponents to about three runs or so. Um, if they can consistently get quality starts out of their pitching staff, then they know that they should have enough ammunition in the bullpen to be able to to hold teams to where they're at. So if, if they can get, you know, average pitching performances out of, out of Shasin and out of Suter and um, whoever ends up getting the start on Wednesday over the next few days, I, I think that that's kind of all that they're hoping for, even going through the rest of the season. Um, the, the Brewers, the way that this team is designed is that they feel very confident in their bullpen mix and the guys that they have to, to come in and, and be able to shut the door and hold lineups and, and put up zeros. So if the starters can get through five or six innings and, and hold teams into games, then that, that's really all that they're hoping for. So if Shasin can go five or six innings tomorrow and, and hold the Cardinals to three runs, I, I, I would be pretty content with that. And I'm sure that Craig Council will be too. The Cardinals also have not had starters going particularly deep into games. Actually, Miles Michaelis at the time was the the starter who had gone the deepest, and I think he went five and two-thirds against the Brewers last week. So they're looking for some of their starters to maybe get a little deeper, but they're, again, depending on some of those guys, especially if they get Greg Holland in the back end of that bullpen to shorten games a little bit. Um, but the guy that's gone the longest for the Cardinals uh, was Carlos Martinez, which you would expect mm-hmm. from your number one, um, who threw a, a great game uh, against the Brewers. And um, he will be going in game two against Brent Suter. I have to ask you this. I was looking at his uh, his bio, uh, and it says that his nickname is The Raptor. Do you know <laughs> anything about that? <laughs> um, have you heard of Tim Dillard? the the Brewers AAA pitcher he's okay. he's got a a very popular Twitter account okay. that he uses to make uh like dub smash videos and stuff like that sure um uh last year while they were pitching in Colorado Springs they did a video of um uh dub smash of Jurassic Park so okay. it's what it what it does is it's like you know it's the movie lines and it gives all the lines and then they're each playing different acting roles and Brent Suter played the role of one of the velociraptors and and kind of walked around doing that (laughs) raptor thing and um, a lot of guys give him uh, give him crap when he he kind of runs sort of like that too so that's a that's sort of where that that nickname kind of comes from and Suter's actually kind of a kind of a goofy guy um (laughs) there's been uh some (laughs) a lot of funny stuff written about him in the in the goofy sort of stuff that he does in the clubhouse so he's a he's a real interesting cat it's funny because i was looking at his bio to find like some real legitimate 
information to ask you questions about and I got stuck at the Raptor and I was like well that's yeah. the question I have to ask <laughs> well he, he's a Harvard grad um, he said that if he wasn't a baseball player he'd be some kind of environmentalist um, I want to say he's like a vegetarian or a vegan or something like that and uh, he's like I said just kind of a real interesting cat all right. Well, that is far more information than I'm sure Cardinals fans uh, would have thought to ask about Brad Suter, but he'll go in game two. And then we're not really sure who will pitch for the Brewers in game three, but it will be Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals. And whoever comes up to pitch for the Brewers might feel a little bit of pressure, probably not as much pressure as Adam Wainwright will be feeling coming off of a home opener start that was far from what he expects of himself and really He's in this weird position of trying to regain some of his old form while the front office wants to give him that opportunity. But like I said, right. they have Jack Flaherty waiting in the wings. They have Alex Reyes on his way back from Tommy John surgery. It's not as if there aren't pitchers to fill Adam Wainwright's right. innings. I'm curious, from a, a, an opposing team's perspective, what is sort of the take on Adam Wainwright at this point in his career? Because you've seen Adam Wainwright at his very best. Right. Uh, and, and you're sort of seeing him deal with all of this now. I know what Cardinals fans think. <laughs> right. But what is it like from the view of the opponent? Yeah, you know, I guess looking looking at it from a bigger picture, Wainwright, Rain, Wainwright is certainly a guy who's struggled over the last couple of seasons. And obviously you mentioned the, the debacle there the, the uh, couple of days ago. But, you know, I guess from what what I can remember, it seems like he always brings his A game every time he comes to pitch against the Brewers. So, you know, the even though he, he's maybe not the guy that – he used to be here that Cardinals fans want to hope that he still can be um, from a Brewers fan standpoint, like that name still kind of, kind of puts a little fear in the heart, I guess. So um, the way that the offensive has gone this so far in these last couple of couple of weeks, I guess I wouldn't be surprised to see any given pitcher shut him down at this point until, you know, they can, they can maybe start to string together a couple of bloop singles and infield hits. And that, that always seems to be what breaks a team out of a slump, but um, until they can prove that that's going to happen, I I would be worried about <laughs> hitting against Wainwright as much as I would any pitcher in baseball. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Especially he still has... given his history against the there team too. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he still has that going for him. So a little little bit of fear factor left. If right, else. that name still carries a little <laughs> bit of cachet. So that's that's all I had for you. But I did ask on Twitter if uh, Cardinals fans had anything specific they wanted to know going into this series. Um, most people just wanted to know about Yelich and Knable, but we covered that. So I do have a couple of things that came from Twitter, uh, one of them having to do with the offense. And I know that it's been a bit of a struggle. But is there someone in that lineup that uh, the Cardinals will need to look out for this week? If there's someone you would say is the guy that could get things going, who is that guy this week? Um, I guess, like I said, the, the two biggest guys for the Brewers are going to be Lorenzo Cain and Ryan Braun. Um, if Cain can kind of get things going at the top of the lineup, he, he's sort of the guy that sets the table for the, for the rest of the team. And, and we've already seen Eric Thames has still kind of got that power bat and Travis Shaw is capable of riding the ball out of the ballpark and same thing with Ryan Braun when he's going right. So, um, if, if, uh, Lorenzo Cain can kind of get, get his bat back going and, and get on base consistently throughout the series. I think it's going to make things a lot easier for the Brewers as they, as they try and break out of this offensive slump. Conversely, 
Is there someone for the Cardinals that Brewers fans are the most worried about? Um, it it feels like almost everybody in the lineup is <laughs> is somebody who could be a, a Brewers killer. And I know that uh, Jed Jerko has been somebody who's caused us a lot of problems these last few years, but um, it doesn't sound like we're going to have to worry about that. Um, Jose Martinez, I, I guess, is is somebody who seems like he would fit that profile of a guy who's going to be become a Brewers <laughs> killer. So I guess if, if you're glad that his bat's in the lineup, he's probably somebody that, that Brewers fans should be a little bit worried about. To be fair, uh, he's been killing pretty much everyone. So it's, it's not just a Brewers thing. He's just really <laughs> good at hitting. Um, now I'm going to add a little bit of context to this one um, because the Brewers have had... <laughs> the privilege or the curse based on the schedule of seeing the Cardinals and the Cubs back to back in the last week. Um, The National League Central is going to be a battle this year, I think. So looking at it now, after having seen both of these other two teams that seem to be vying for the top couple of spots, how do you feel about where the Brewers stack up or what you've seen in these other two teams so far? Um, I I guess coming into the year, you still kind of felt that the Cubs were were probably going to be that class, I guess, of the division. So, you know, the Brewers had a chance to split the series against Chicago, and they tripped over themselves while they were trying to do it. So, um, you know, I, I still, I guess I don't want to say that, that the Brewers are going to be there with the Cubs all year. Um, I'd like to think that they have the ability to be, but, you know, baseball works out funny that way. And, and I'm guessing that the Cubs are probably going to come away with the division at the end of the year. But I think that the Brewers and the Cardinals are kind of in a similar spot where they're going to be kind of vying for that that wild card spot. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure that there's scenarios where both teams could get in. And um, both teams certainly have, have things going for them that if everything is going as we hope it will, you know, the, the Cardinals can score a lot of runs, the Brewers could score a lot of runs, and it's all just kind of about how this pitching is going to work out, I guess, for both teams. So um, I guess if the if the Brewers are able to pitch a little bit better, and I, I would think that they can probably kind of be right there with the Cardinals as, as vying for that wild card spot, but I, I don't know that either team is yet ready to challenge officially for what for what the Cubs are going to do this year. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Uh, baseball tends to not work out like you expect it to. But I think as we've seen things line up so far, uh, it's going to be an interesting race. But it does seem like the Cardinals and the Brewers are still trying to play catch up a little bit in gaining on, on what the Cubs have become the last couple of years. Now, the other thing that people wanted to ask was Brewers fans' reactions to the Yadier Molina, Tori Lovello debacle in today's game. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to ask that question. I think we can all figure it out just based on Twitter reactions. Uh, but hopefully we will have a, a little bit less dramatic of a series yeah, right. between the Cardinals and the Brewers in St. Louis. So, Kyle, thanks so much for your time tonight. Yeah, no, it's it's my pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat some baseball with you. Well, there you have it. Now, not only do you have all the information about Christian Yelich and Corey Knebel, but you also know the backstory behind Brent the Raptor Suter. I bet you didn't even know you wanted to know that until now. And you also know that Adam Wainwright, in name alone, can still strike fear in the heart of most Brewers fans. So at least he has that going for him. 
It should be a good series. It should be a good season series between these two teams. And uh, it could get intense, but hopefully not quite as intense as the conclusion of the series with the Diamondbacks on Sunday. I'm Sarah Wellman. Check it out over at Birds on the Black for all the previews, all the recaps, all the good information about the Cardinals. Follow Kyle on Twitter for all the good information about the Brewers. And I'll see you next time.